hello. My name is Ross Sutherland. Um, this week's episode of Imaginary Advice is brought to you courtesy of uh, a used copy of Family Word Search Special. That's uh, that's the name of the magazine uh, that I found in uh, a waiting room in a hospital in Brighton towards the end of last year. I, I have the magazine in front of me here. Um, it's filled out. Well, about 70 to 80% of it is filled out already. I did a couple myself while I was in that waiting room. Uh, and then um, I nabbed the book so I could finish it at home. Word searches, uh, known as word jumbles in the States, I think. Word searches in the UK. Um, the rest of the episode that um, you're about to hear today, it, it all began life as one of these word searches. The word search in question was called Mmm Chocolate. It was all themed around words that can come before or after chocolate, like bar biscuit, cake, chip, cookie, factory, egg. Um, But that's not really relevant to the episode. This is not an episode about chocolate. Um, Here's what I did. Uh, I just... I just looked at this grid of letters and I said to myself, okay, what I actually have here in front of me is, in fact, a story. It's just that the story has been corrupted somehow. It's like this story was being stored on a computer and then someone kicked that computer off the roof of a building. Do it! <laughs> and now... I'm in some kind of tech lab, poring over the recovered hard drive, trying to piece together that story again from all these little scrambled fragments. All I have to do is read along the line. S-D-G-P-S-B-Z-L-D-N. And then uh, just try to work out what the missing letters were. S-D-R-A-I-N-G-E post buzzello and D-E-N. Strange post your buzz London. The strange posture of buzz Aldrin. Progress was slow, but over time, little phrases started to emerge from the chaos. I didn't really know what these phrases meant, but that was okay. For now, I was comfortable saying, well, that uh, that these phrases were in part conjured from the puzzle in front of me, but they're also in part conjured from the back of my own brain. This was a bit like conducting my own version of a Rorschach test. These weird lines, they, they weren't inherently meaningful. Yes, they revealed something about the way that the right side of my brain worked, but they weren't inherently meaningful in the same way that dreams aren't inherently meaningful it's all about the uh, the subsequent process of interpretation it's about how you take these random shapes and use them as tools to think about your life the longer that i stared at that box of jumbled letters the more this process started to feel like a kind of form of divination it was a bit like I was reading tea leaves, staring down into the bottom of a teacup and looking for shapes that I recognised. R-K-N-M-R-T-C-O-Z Rock never more tea coins. 
Rick no more coins. Rick and Morty coins. Tea leaf reading is similar to another kind of divination called scrying. Scrying usually involves dripping hot wax onto a mirror or dish of water. And then, uh, just like with tea leaves, you, you start to group together the blobs into shapes that seem familiar. Back in the 16th century, scrying was traditionally used as a method for locating lost property, i.e. if you've put your scissors down somewhere and you've forgotten where you put them, maybe if you looked into the, the wax shapes of your scrying dish, maybe one of those shapes would trigger a memory in your head and presto, you suddenly remember where you left them. Now, I really like this comparison to scrying, as if the making of all art was essentially about the location of lost property. As if we make art to remember things that we once knew, that somehow we forgot along the way. D-D-Y-O-N-G-F-D-R-Y Dead why you long fond Troy Dead eye foot long fond Troy A dead eyed foot long Fontleroy Once I transformed the entire word search into these weird little phrases I started to play with them on the page, changing the order around, trying to make sense of them. The next step was to try and make these phrases into a short story. And to do that, um, I let myself add as many new lines as I wanted. The only rule was that every single one of these phrases had to appear within it. I, I didn't want any of them to feel like non sequiturs. I think that would just be too easy. It felt like it would be more illuminating if uh, if I found a way for all of these phrases to, to, to make sense within the context of the story. The whole act of weaving these phrases into a narrative would essentially be my process of interpretation. I would learn what those phrases meant to me by how I dealt with them in a story setting. In the end, uh, I decided to set the story at a house party. I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe, well, it's possibly because I tend to find the vibe at house parties kind of similar to the process of deciphering a word search. Just like a word search, house parties are these chaotic boxes stuffed with noisy, contradictory data they just tend to reflect your own mood back at you. You know, you group together all the blobs into shapes that seem familiar to you. If, if you want to see community, youth, sex, rebellion, you'll see that. If you want to see hostility, aggression, self-deception, alcoholism, well, yeah, you, 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 you can see that too. You look into the jumble and the jumble looks back into you. B-O-W-S-T-B-Y-C-U-D Bo-strobe-Y-Could Bo-strobe-Y-Could Blow a strawberry clod 
blow a strawberry cloud. Okay, so I'm going to play the story to you now. Um, it gives me great pleasure to tell you that the music for this story was written by one of my favourite contemporary musicians, Jeremy Wormsley. Jeremy is one half of the fantastic indie pop duo Summer Camp, along with Elizabeth Sankey, who also, by the way, has a documentary about romantic comedy just about to come out with a score by Jeremy. Jeremy is also right now um, writing a new solo song every month across 2019. They are all excellent. And uh, yeah, you can find those on his Bandcamp page. I, I recommend checking it out. Um, now that the episode is finished, I'm still not 100% sure what the story is all about, seeing as so much of the writing is coming from the back of my brain rather than the front. I, I did notice um, one particular theme running through the story, though, which I presume means it's a subject that is on my mind, even if I don't know it's on my mind. And that theme is things being replaced by new versions of things that do not function in the same way. Yeah, there's a kind of creeping sensation throughout of the whole world being secretly replaced piece by piece behind our backs until eventually we're in this kind of new synthetic version of our world um, which is why in the end I decided to title the story Party on Earth 2.0 Imaginary Advice the feeling that we weren't just waiting to be rescued I thought I was in somebody's house although it might have been an art gallery apparently the daughter of a senator was in attendance also Lapshan Hui was here of the interactive whiteboard I kept hearing people say hey what's this party in aid of as if the very concept of free time had quietly passed into history the same way the concept of no smoking areas has quietly passed into history Now that everything was free time, somehow nothing was. Now that nobody really worked, suddenly everything felt like a dead-end job. And every line, every thread of our being, all part of an invisible game, 
All rooms were to be escape rooms now. All parties, puzzles to be solved. But once again, someone was standing behind me discussing cryptocurrency. Because talking about money is cool again. Particularly if the currency in question has a name like Zardozia or Rick and Morty coins, etc. A guy with an earpiece accused me of something. I told him that he had the wrong man, but then again, before tonight, I thought larceny was a kind of ashy grey velour, so who knows what I've done and what you guys call it, quite frankly. It was around then that I sent you a message. I wonder if you remember. It said, Oh God, I think they all hate me here. Can't wait to come home. And I know that I send that message all the time. I am always on my way home to you. Maybe being hated is inevitable too. Maybe I am destined to always be hated the same way I am destined for you. I admit that sounded more romantic in my head. Uh, let me try again. This time, in the language of Garfield, one of our universal constants, I think you'll agree. I think I might be normal. I think I might be normal. And you, you are my Abu Dhabi. I made my way through the hallway of the party, through a dense patch of guys who only listen to rap music for the choruses. In the kitchen, the tiles played havoc with the acoustics, pushing everything into a kind of lurid overstatement. A lady was saying, there are literally no men in Los Feliz. Someone else was introducing themselves as an insta-bitch, which I thought was uncharitable. The cupboards were empty. I checked every one of them. Someone said that they worked in logistics. Hey, I said. Logistics. I steadied myself against the counter, recalling the strange posture of astronaut Buzz Aldrin whenever he appears in documentaries, always hunched forward like he's sharing a secret. Logistics, I said. Uh, I guess 430,000 years ago, all early homo sapiens basically worked in logistics, right? Refining the supply chain was uh, it's pretty much the only game in town. From the expression on my new friend's face, you'd think 
I just forced him to touch a ventriloquist's doll. As if I'd just grabbed his hand and dragged it slowly through the vinyl polyp follicles of a dead-eyed foot-long Fauntleroy. I don't mean to valorize anti-intellectualism, but sometimes I really hate myself. Okay, I said, stepping through the patio doors into the garden alone. I stared down the valley, washing myself in that warm Los Angeles air, watching as the sky turned sepia at the edges like an old movie treasure map. And slowly, my mental health took its own shape right there in front of me. A sculpture hanging above me in the starlight, so real, I could have almost cast it in concrete. A shape I could imagine my father being proud of, if that's not too stupid a thing to say. My dad being last of the infamous Combinald draftsmen and all. In that moment, I was the choir, half-fused with my only song, burning with all the excess neural labour of a company picnic. Now vaping beside me, I noticed, was Lap Shun Hui, the man behind the interactive whiteboard. For a second, I thought about turning and saying, Hey, how does it feel to replace something so aggressively? But should anyone mistake your version for its ancestor, the thing is immediately destroyed. Maybe adding, You fucking motherfucker for good measure, before grabbing his collar and falling into him. The same way Buzz Aldrin always seems to be falling conspiratorially towards the camera in interviews on the TV as if desperate to whisper some great truth to us some secret he found when he broke free the bounds of the earth but in the end I decided I had nothing to say that Lap Shan Hui didn't know already he blew a strawberry cloud into the sky and was gone. When you get that high above sea level, if you look long enough at the horizon, you can just about make out the curvature of the earth. That's why nothing really matters up there. There's nothing to learn when you're that far away. All you can do is slowly forget. See, that's how I know that there are no real secrets waiting for us out there on the moon. Buzz just never readjusted to our gravity.
Um, that's all from Imaginary Advice this month. If you like the show and you want to help me keep making it, I really need help. It's uh, it's a big old job for one person, month in, month out. Um, if you fancy signing up to offer a small monthly donation on Patreon, um, you can make a big difference in keeping this show going. Check out uh, patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Ross G Sutherland for more information on that. Alternately, um, a review on iTunes is another great way to help me out or just talking about the show on social media does a, does a world of good as well. Um, thanks again to the amazing, talented Jeremy Wormsley for his score on this episode. Check out his Bandcamp, check out his WordPress, buy all Summer Camp albums. I'll be back soon with more imaginary advice. My name is Ross Sutherland. I am normal. And you are my Abu Dhabi. Okay. Till next time.